All right, welcome back to Church Public. Today we are going to do another Philosophy Friday because I think philosophy can help us to connect faith and culture. Don't check out right away. Listen through to the end if you can because this story really does make a difference in how we deal with faith and culture in this day and age. Okay, today, modern America is much like ancient Athens. Yeah, I know that sounds weird. And no, we don't speak Greek or wear funny robes. But the way we speak, how we speak to one another, even after thousands of years, is much the same. I'd like to tell you a story today about Socrates, the Epicureans, the Stoics, and the Apostle Paul, and how those are all connected. Welcome to Church Public. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to Church Public. I'm glad you joined us here today. Again, today we are doing a Philosophy Friday. We're gonna talk about some of the things that led to Paul connecting in Athens and why that makes a difference to us today. We're talking about Acts 17. If you want to go there, uh, I have that open on my Bible here and we'll read that in just a moment. But before we get there, thank you for tuning in to Church Public. You can check out more episodes at churchpublic.com. You can subscribe at iTunes and Amazon and Spotify and Google and pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also watch the video at YouTube, search Church Public in one word, and you can find me there. My name is Matt. I've been a pastor for a couple of decades now and have moved into this new phase of trying to help people, trying to help average normal Christians like yourself connect faith and culture. How do we live in this weird and crazy world today? Now, I know some of you have glossed over already because we're talking about ancient history and ancient Greek history, and you're like, I'm over this. I don't, I don't care. That has nothing to do with anything that I'm doing today. I, I think it does. I think this history helps us understand where we came from, and it gives us a picture, as Paul lays it out, of how we can interact with this world today. I know that might sound weird, but just stick with me a little bit, and I think you may learn something, and you may get a little more perspective on how we can move into this world and how we can be a better part of it. Hopefully, that is helpful to you. So, we're going to start with Socrates, or Socrates, if you're in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and in this view, you may have heard of Socrates, you may have heard of Plato, um, part of my education and upbringing. I, I read through them and uh, and I read through them. I was talking to a guy the other day and I, I, I hate to even say like I read things in ancient Greek. It sounds weird. To me, it sounds like highfalutin. I, d I don't like to say that. I don't like to uh, pretend to be super smart or anything because I'm clearly not. But I did read a bunch of Plato and Socrates in Greek for my major. And it was helpful to me because it helps me understand what's going on. I'm not going to subject you to most of that. We are going to look at a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of biblical Greek because it helps us understand something in Acts 17 in a moment. But I just want you to understand Socrates. And he was just this guy. Again, if you watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I, I know that that may be a funny place for you to start, but uh, he is in that movie. He's in a bunch of movies, but he was written about by Plato and at any rate, we'll, we'll skip a bunch of the things because you, you don't want to know. And that's, and that's fine. You can go read Plato's Republic or the Symposium or the... Anyway, there's a bunch more. We don't need to get to that. Socrates was just this guy. He basically made everybody mad because he would walk around and he would tell them that they didn't know anything and he knew things. And 
he kind of made people crazy and a lot of people didn't like him, but he was also a really smart guy. And a lot of our even current Socratic method, maybe you've heard of that, the Socratic method of reasoning or philosophy comes from him and the way that he asked questions of people. And he does have a connection to our current faith and culture. And he was said to be the wisest man in the world. But the reason why is kind of a funny story. You see, he went around and he talked to all these people and he realized that none of them really knew everything. He would talk to somebody and say, you, you don't know everything and you don't know everything, but you think you know everything. So he would go and kind of talk to these people. And then one day he ended up talking to this oracle and this oracle, after talking to him for a while, said, oh, you know more than anybody else. But the reason is not the reason that you think it is. The reason is because you know that you don't know everything. I know that's kind of a confusing logic, but basically everybody around him thought that they knew everything. There were these, quote, wise philosophers who were wise, but they thought they knew everything. And Plato, or sorry, Socrates said, I know, I don't know everything. So that basically uh, attitude of humility going in allowed him to be the wisest person in the world because he knew one more thing than everybody else. He knew that he didn't know everything. I know, again, that's kind of ridiculous, but but it just, it is the way it is. And it was a way that he was distinguished then as the wisest person in the world. So it's this idea of ignorance that I want to lean into. It's this idea that you don't know everything. So what he did is he went through and they had talks all the time in Athens about what they knew and what they didn't know. And that I think is one of those connections to our current culture because we're always talking about what we know, what we don't know. And so he would talk about this. One of the quotes of Socrates is, uh, awareness of ignorance is the beginning of wisdom. Awareness of ignorance is the beginning of wisdom. So he would go around and they would have these conversations with people and talk about ignorance. And they would also talk about judgment. They would talk about the coming judgment. Now, his ideas of judgment were that sometime later, uh, there would be some kind of judgment. And that is why, that is why uh, people, Christians, have liked him for a long time. Some of his ideas about reality, about life, parallel a little bit to Christianity. Now, as you get into it, he, there's actually some weird things that we don't agree on, and I'm not going to get into those ins and outs right now. But the point is two things. One, ignorance, that we have this ignorance, and we don't fully understand what's going on. We don't fully understand everything. Again, as Socrates would say, you, you don't know everything, right? And, and even the quote that he had, as, as soon as you are aware of your ignorance, then that's the beginning of wisdom. So you have to become aware of your ignorance. So he kind of went around, we would say preaching, but teaching this, talking to people about this, this ignorance that you have. And that, that is where wisdom comes from. And then he and his fellow philosophers were arguing about, uh, about the coming judgment. Um, and I was reading through in, in Gorgias, uh, this is Plato's, another, another book with, with Socrates in it. And uh, if you want to do some light reading, you can go and read that at any rate. The connection here between faith and culture is, is over thousands of years because they're discussing this morality. They're discussing the coming judgment, judgment for your mistakes, judgment for your crimes. Again, if that sounds similar, that's because that's what we talk about, uh, you know, in Romans and, and all throughout Old and New Testament, that 
you make mistakes. So what happens when you make mistakes? And that's what they're talking about too. Do you get punished immediately? Is there some kind of weird karma? That's not how they would have said it, but we say it that way, right? Um, and by we, I don't mean Christians, but I mean people in this culture, right? At any rate, does your judgment come immediately? Does it come at some point? Does it come after you die in the future by some God, lowercase or big case G, God? And they're just basically arguing about this every day, all day, every day. And so they're talking through this and they're trying to figure it out. And we're talking about ignorance. Now, Socrates' goal was to help people know they were ignorant so they could be more enlightened about the issues that really matter. So what we're going to do is now we're going to fast forward to Paul, because I said this does have pertinence, although to me, philosophy is interesting. To some, it's not. Okay, I get that. Uh, most people don't love ancient Greek history and those types of things. I get it. No problem. We're going to fast forward to that because we are going to get to Bible. And the, the important thing here is Bible. As Socrates and his buddies are discussing morality hundreds of years earlier, now we fast forward into Paul's day and... Paul knew that there were these two groups that were also talking about morality. They were talking about judgment and they were talking about this idea of ignorance that we don't know everything. L literally the same thing that Socrates was talking about so many years before. And they were talking about this in the time of Paul. Now, Paul happened to be doing his missionary journey around the Middle East, up around the sea and, and then over into Macedonia and Greece and all these places, and he ends up in Athens. He ends up in Athens in Acts 17. We're gonna look at that in a moment, but he says there were these two groups, the Epicureans and the Stoics. And I, again, I'm not gonna get into the differences because I don't want you to gloss over and fall asleep on me, especially if you're driving, you know, not, I don't wanna to be too boring, but they're the Epicureans and the Stoics. And basically they spent all day, every day arguing. It even says this in Acts 17, 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking and listening to the latest ideas. They just spend their time arguing with each other. To me, again, the funny thing, I think the connection to our current culture is, <laughs> this sounds to me a lot like Twitter or some of the other social media sites. I feel like there are people who just spend all day arguing and going back and forth with each other, maybe Facebook, uh, Twitter, those other, the other places, you, you may have experienced some of that, you may have participated in some of that. But again, that's why I say hundreds, thousands of years ago, not a lot has changed. We're literally doing still the same thing. Here's the interesting thing for us, I think, to, to grab onto. These philosophers that were discussing the same issues that we're basically talking about today, that the Epicureans and the Stoics are talking about in this moment, and that Socrates had discussed so many years before that, quite likely they were still discussing this idea of ignorance. They're still discussing this idea of judgment and based on judgment, then what is right and wrong? Because if you're judged now, that has impact on what is right and wrong and how you live. If you're judged later, that has impact on what you do and what is right and wrong. And so Paul arrives on this scene. So Paul, uh, the apostle, he arrives on the scene in Athens, and as normal, it says um, in Acts 17, 16, while he's waiting for them in Athens, he was distressed that the city was full of idols, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Greeks as well as in the marketplace. This is just what he does. This is his pattern. He's a good Jew, so his heart is for his people. Then he goes to the synagogue and says, hey, I'm going to connect some dots for you. There was Abraham and Moses and 
all these other people in Genesis, and he actually goes through that in many of his letters when he's speaking to Jewish people because they get it. They get the details. They read the Torah. They have read the prophets. Um, and he can just connect these dots and say, here was God here, 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 here. Here are you. Here's the Messiah, Jesus. And like, look at Acts 2. Thousands of people go, I get it now. I've been waiting for this Messiah. This is the Messiah. I'm, I'm going on. Some people didn't. Some people tried to kill him. Another story for another day. But in that model, a lot of people did this. Now, he finds himself in Athens. The Athenians, not Jews, don't know or care about the Bible or about Moses or about Genesis. They don't care. They don't know. Who, who cares? They're just... So instead, they're talking about Socrates. They're talking about Plato. They're talking about these other philosophers. Again, I'm not going to name all these names that you've never heard of, but there are these two groups and they're arguing basically on morality, on judgment and ignorance. Ignorance is, is a word that I just want you to keep holding on to because that was Socrates' big thing. You don't know what you don't know and that's the ignorance that you have. And once you accept that ignorance, you can then move more into wisdom because you know that you need to keep learning. You know you need to keep asking questions, which was Socrates' big thing. Ask questions and get to answers. So Paul meets them in the Areopagus. And I love this part of the story because quite likely this is the same place, at least one of the same places that Socrates stood hundreds of years earlier. So the reason I started with Socrates is there's this really continuity in between Socrates and the Epicureans and the Stoics and some other philosophers and Paul. And now he's probably standing maybe even in the same place because there are these guys who say, hey, come and talk to us about this. He basically gets an invitation because he's talking about it in the marketplace in verse 16 and 17. And they say, hey, hey, tell us more about this. We want to know more. And maybe they were curious. Maybe they wanted to make fun of him. Who knows? But they're like, you talk about life and morality and the next life, and we talk about that too. So come on over and let's talk about these things and, and figure out what we need to discuss. Here's the part that I love that is super interesting because I like to connect things together. And I think Paul had some of the similar things as well. So here's the part that I love that we get to basically in verse 30. And I'm, I'm skipping through this, this chapter a little bit, but, but there's a lot going on here. And I, I'm reading, I think this one's the NIV, and NIV is good. I guess I'll have to do a podcast on translations because translations are different, right? Translations are different, and this is English based on Greek. And Greek is one of those languages that there's a lot contained in it. And sometimes English doesn't have all the words. Sometimes it doesn't have uh, specific enough language. And sometimes it conveys more than one English word or one English sentence can convey. I know that might be confusing, but that's just the reality of it. We're, we're translating a language that's different from the one that we speak every day. And so we need to understand that. And the reason I bring that up is in verse 30, if you read it in English and you read it from the NIV or the NLT or the uh, NASB is, is closer, ESB is not quite as close. There's a thing that happens in Greek here. And again, I, I don't want to bore you too much with Greek, but I think there's, this is an important point that connects this all together. 
there's a thing that happens in Greek here that I think Paul did on purpose. And uh, Luke is actually the one who is writing Acts. But, but I think Paul did this on purpose because he's a smart guy. He is a Roman, so he was clearly educated. It appears that he spoke Greek, probably Latin, definitely spoke Hebrew, uh, probably Aramaic as well, like had a bunch of different languages. I mean, if he was sitting there conversing with the Athenians, it's likely he was speaking Greek to them. Um, again, these are some extensions. None of us were there. We don't really know. We only know from some of the indicators in the text, but he clearly understood things. He, uh, you know, at the end when he was arrested, he said he was Roman and was, was brought to Rome. So there's some things we know, and we know that he was well-educated, and we know that he was a smart guy, obviously, based on his writings and things like that. So he, I think, would have known Socrates. Even in this passage in Acts 17, he quotes two other philosophers. He doesn't quote Socrates. He doesn't quote some others, but he quotes uh, more recent philosophers to the time that we're talking about, right? This, this turn of the millennia when Jesus is walking around. Uh, sorry, right after Jesus is walking around, to be super clear. So what happens here in Greek is that, again, we've been talking about Socrates and we've been talking about the Epicureans and the Stoics. And one of their big deals is that came from Socrates is you're ignorant. You just don't know what you don't know. And the first thing you have to realize is you don't know things and then you can begin your journey to know more things. Hopefully that's not too confusing, but you, it's, it's just this idea of humility that you bring. I mean, even if you're a teacher, if you're a student, you should come into any classroom going, I don't know everything that's gonna, gonna be presented in this class, so I need to come into the class going, tell me what I don't know, right? It's just that idea, super simple. So Socrates has been arguing this. Years, hundreds of years later, the Epicureans and Stoics are arguing this. And then Paul in verse 30 says the essence of, indeed now, the time of your ignorance is being overlooked by God. Um, Again, I, that's not exactly the way we render it in English most of the time. Um, I'm not going to bother reading the Greek to you. Yeah, I, I thought second two times about it. But anyway, I, I read through the Greek. I read through it. And, and word order makes a difference in Greek. It does create emphasis. Uh, if you had read it like straight in Greek, it would be the indeed now time of ignorance having overlooked God, which obviously doesn't make any sense. So I looked at context, I rewrote it as, indeed, now the time of your ignorance is being overlooked by God, or God has overlooked your ignorance. But what I love about this is, Paul says in this moment, and I really think intentionally he connects this, that Socrates, hundreds of years earlier, had said, you guys are ignorant about what you don't know. And Paul comes in and says, you have been ignorant until this moment, and now in this moment, your ignorance is over. And it's over because of Jesus. Isn't that cool? Like, I just love that. These guys for hundreds of years have been arguing about how ignorant they are, which is true. And then Paul comes in and says, now you guys, you don't have to be ignorant anymore because what you didn't know now is made known. And he actually says that. There's an unknown God and you didn't know what God this was. And I'm going to make known to you what you didn't know. And that unknown thing, that unknown person is Jesus. He talks about in verse 23. And I just love that. Paul connects the ignorance they've been talking about for all of these years and, and the ignorance about 
judgment and ignorance about eternal judgment and judgment from God that impacts your day-to-day morality. Now, Paul connects this to Jesus. And uh, just to skip to the end and kind of blow the ending, he says that some people became followers and believed. Now, it wasn't the thousands like before. But again, none of these people had the context of Hebrew education. None of these people had the context of a Jewish education. None of them knew. I I mean, maybe they had some knowledge of, but they didn't know Moses and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joshua, and um, Joseph, all the J's, sorry about that. And they didn't understand the prophecies and the prophecy of the Messiah. You know, again, maybe they'd seen it or heard it or whatever, but they didn't care about that. They were Greeks, and Greeks by philosophical nature, I'll say it that way, they weren't interested in other cultures. They wanted to know about their culture and they wanted to know about what they were going through. So Paul connects this to their culture, to their philosophy and says, hey, you've been ignorant this whole time, but now God says, you don't have to be ignorant anymore. I'm going to let the light into what in the darkness and and what you've been working through. And so then we get to Acts 17.31, where Paul says, for he, that's God, has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he, God, has appointed, and that's Jesus. He, God, has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, that's Jesus, from the dead. So again, Paul's connecting these dots. They've been talking about ignorance, they've been talking about judgment, and they've been talking about whether that's after you die or not or whatever. And Paul says, I've got the answers for you guys. I've got the answers, and that is God has is, is going to judge the world. You don't have to be ignorant about that anymore. Here's the answer. God is going to judge the world, and you are going to have new life through Jesus, only through Jesus. And Paul also talks about repentance and all these other things, um, which is the gospel. And, and you know that, that's the gospel is. We have our salvation from Jesus through repentance and through belief in him and through the resurrection of Jesus. But again, Paul couldn't start with Genesis or Moses or Abraham because Socrates, the Stoics, the Epicureans, others that he referenced, because again, he, he referenced Epimenides and Aratus, um, other philosophers that, that they would have been arguing about. And he knew that, and we don't know those things by and large. That's why I wanted to talk about this today. But Paul knew about those things and the philosophers knew about those things. And we may or may not know about Moses and Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice there. Or There's a bunch of things we may or may not know about in the Bible. There's a bunch of things we may or may not know about in the culture. But my point here is our evangelism cannot be simply read the Bible, then you feel guilty, then you turn to Jesus, which has been the story of our evangelism for some time in the church. You should feel bad about who you are. And you should read the Bible and figure out that you need to follow it and then find Jesus. That is 100% true. It's not enough for someone who doesn't read the Bible, who doesn't care about the Bible, who is not going to open these pages and pay attention to it at all, like the philosophers that Paul is talking to. Instead, we need to go out into the culture and figure out lessons from Socrates, lessons from the Epicureans, lessons from the Stoics, lessons from the modern-day wokesters, the politicians, the celebrities, the priests of this culture. We need to learn from them and apply the knowledge that we find into our evangelism, into our outreach to help people find Jesus. I think we're at this other point in history where we can't use this Acts 2 model or even 
even like 17 verse 16 when he goes into the synagogue. We, we can't expect people to know the Bible, the history, the foundations of Christianity because they don't. They haven't read it. They don't care about it. They don't believe it's true. So why would we expect that to change their hearts? Yes, I believe the Bible can change hearts. I believe the Spirit can change hearts. I believe God can change hearts. But as Paul illustrates in this passage, sometimes we need to go to where they are, look at their history of philosophy, look at some things, and figure out how can we connect with them where they are and bring this truth, remove the ignorance that some people have right now. They think certain things about the Bible that just aren't real because they haven't read the Bible. And we need to help illuminate that. But we may need to use some culture to do that. I'm not saying become like the world. I'm saying know the philosophy, know the world so that we can impact the world. Paul in Acts 17 takes time to walk around. He learns the culture before going and speaking with people. We need to look at the culture so we can speak the language of this day, just like he spoke the language of that day. We need to understand the spiritual but not religious undertones that fill all of these corners of our whole culture. So then we can speak confidently to the truth to those that have, as Jesus says, ears to hear. We need to use our minds to pursue Jesus and engage with the world. And we need to keep working to understand our place in this culture. That's why I started Church Public. We need to pursue Jesus. We need to know Jesus in our heart and soul and mind and strength and then engage with this culture. And I don't want you to miss any opportunity God has placed in your life. I want you to be open and available for God to use you. And we need to know the culture if we want to influence it and make a difference there. I wanted to connect church and culture, so I started Church Public. And I want you to be equipped to follow Jesus and engage in this public square. I think for too long we've shied away from this confrontation that inevitably comes when we stand up for our faith. It can be a confrontation. I don't mean that in an angry way. I don't mean that in a, in a frustrating way. I just mean people don't want to hear some of this and people are going to be angry about some of this. Ultimately, Paul was arrested and killed for some of the things that he said. And he, he goes through, and I think it's a Philippians or Colossians, that all of the things, uh, in Corinthians, all of the things that happened to him as he was trying to preach the gospel, some people aren't going to want to hear this. And yet, we still need to stand up and say it because that's our role. Our role as believers is to pass on the hope that we have. As Peter says, to give an answer for the hope that we have. As Jesus said, to go and make disciples in all nations. Everywhere you are, that's where you are preaching. We don't, I, I don't want us to run from this culture anymore. I want us to work towards knowing more about culture and how the normal average believer can live in this culture. And I mean, normal average believers should be able to give an answer for the hope that they have. That's not for, I mean, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a philosopher. You just have to be a believer and know one more thing than everybody else. And that one more thing is Jesus is the way. He is the hope that we have. That one more thing can make all of the difference in the world. So we don't have to be ignorant anymore. We have the truth. And as Jesus says, the truth can and will set you and others free. We want to 
help people understand that there is a plan for their lives that God has for them. God may want to use you in that plan to those around you. I hope this has been helpful. Thank you for tuning in to Church Public and Philosophy Friday. God bless and keep the faith.